a Pulp MX Network production. With your support of our sponsors, we have reached over 800 podcasts and counting. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, support your moto addiction by buying from our sponsors. It's the Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. Presented by Fox Racing. The original moto podcast. Featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the Racer X Podcast Dallas Supercross Wrap Up. Thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. We're going to talk talk about Dallas Supercross, everything that happened, everything went down, and uh, and yeah, have some fun doing it. We really appreciate it. Presented by Fox Racing, foxhead.com. Visit your local authorized Fox dealer. Flex Air stuff out now, and they released some new multicolored gear that I should know the name of, but I don't. But go to their uh, Instagram and check it out. It's pretty crazy. Not something I would wear, but something the kids would wear, I think. Foxhead.com, a global innovation leader in motocross racewear. They've got it. And we thank Fox for being presenting sponsor of this show. All right, with me on the line, uh, Hawking Fly Racewear across the world, the Jason Thomas. And I could tell you the name of that gear, but I just choose not to. Oh, so you know what it is? I forget what I it do. was. Let me look it's it my up. My job to know. Okay. It, it, I guess it kind of is. Now, I'm way too old to wear that stuff, but some people must like it. Hold on. People, you got to check it out. Well, let's see here. Well, let's um, not get carried away. Oh, it's vicious. It's a one, the head, 180 vicious special I edition. Let it go. Yeah. My fault. Yeah. Well, I had, to, I had to bring it up. It's the latest, greatest from Fox. You know, what's cool is that I'm allowed to have an opinion on here and Fox won't freak out like some gear companies might. So also on the line with me, my boss at RacerX Online, the boss of everybody, the voice of American motocross, the voice of NASCAR, the voice of ATV motocross, the voice of GNCC, the great Jason Wygant. Yeah. Um, Fox has never been mad at you for uh, saying that some of their gear looks a little bit crazy. <laughs> A certain person who's no longer at Fox was very upset with me years ago. Yes, oh. yes. All right, yeah. But they are no longer there. Um, okay. So, foxhead.com. I don't know. I mean, honestly, like I said, that's uh, not for me, but it's some crazy stuff. So, um, I wonder when, JT, when are these gear companies like, okay, what's the fly lines? What are the four names of the fly line? 2.0? Uh, F16, Kinetic, hydrogen, uh, White Hydrogen, Evolution. Evolution, okay, and then Fox has uh, uh, Flex Air, um, 180, 360. 180, yeah. Mm-hmm. These guys are going to run out of like names for gear names and 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 gear lines, you know. Eventually, uh, yeah, I think everyone's pretty consistent with their actual line, you know. Like, yeah, um, yeah, maybe everybody has their line. It's just graphic names. Yeah, the graphic names, I guess, is more what I'm thinking about. Right? Yeah, yeah, that gets of, tough. Yeah, because you come out with like. 10 or 12 a year like vicious you know, and then everybody comes out with 10 or 12 a year you know yeah that's what i'm saying right so yeah um okay hold on um Weege, what else is going on you're you're very excited about the daytona 500 race or uh oh yeah yeah very very excited <laughs> well, i don't know it's, it's the start of your what, season what it? it's the start of your what season transition i don't even get it I'm texting. Oh, okay. I'm texting, and I'm I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to text and just get the show along. I can totally 
tell something was amiss. <laughs> something right. went off the rails, and you were just trying to cover. <laughs> well, I, well, okay, so uh, Indy 500, we just talk about it. Yeah, no, no about okay, it. I'm done texting. Here, here's the, uh, I'll I'm, give you a little something on the Daytona thing. Yeah, so they have like a whole, dude, it's like nine days of like stuff down there and all these pre-races and practice and practice, practice mm-hmm. and qualifying and qualifying and qualifying over and over and over. But when you actually watch the race, uh, none of that matters at all. It just comes down to like this nutball, like last three laps, and like where you just happen to be. Like it's you could you could probably do all the nine days worth, or you could just have a three lap race, and it was pretty much. <laughs> well, that's, that's what I get. Where I was going, transitioning a little bit because I have a, a coy question mark circled on my notes here, because oh, the I COO see. of uh, Joe, Joe Gibbs Racing is now Coy Gibbs. He was not at the race. He's going to be doing more NASCAR races, and for the first time in 23 years, JGR wins the Daytona 500, and is it a coincidence Coy Gibbs is now running that ship? Probably not. I mean, I'm sure. And honestly, I think they were like four out of the top five or affiliated with them. So yeah, yeah. Good job, Coy. Yeah, because even um, you do that over here. the second-place guy, Furniture Row Racing, he runs. they run JGR Motors, Toyota JGR Motors, right? Yeah, yeah. So, Coy, what? Sprinkle the magic touch over here on the motocross side. Wow. Can you imagine how much he mumbled when uh, when Hamlin crossed the finish line? Oh, God. Yeah. I'd have been excited. I sent him a text. But, uh, I sent him a text. He never, saying, he never hit me back. Just an example of what I'm saying. Uh, they have all this work for qualifying. One of their guys, Matt Kansas, qualifies second, and then he crashes in another race. He has to start all the way in the back. But then he just works his way back up anyway, and then he almost wins it. So I'm like, okay, the qualifying good didn't matter. The crashing and having to go to the back didn't matter. In the end, they just are going to get what they're going to get. So why do we need nine days worth of stuff? Yeah, yeah, really, right? It's um, almost like Supercross, where when you think about the heats and qualifying and all that, it barely matters. Like it matters a little bit, but you basically just need to watch the main event. That's that's really all that really matters. Right, right. Well, speaking yeah. of main event, let's talk a little bit Dallas here. We'll move, we'll move off the NASCAR end of things. So good. Um, hold on, I'm still texting. What what is the problem? <laughs> <laughs> I'm very busy. I got a lot of things going on this morning. You're great at multitasking. I'll give you that. <laughs> well, I just, I just, a lot of ins and outs. I just said to someone, uh, "Give me your address." Instead of address, I said, "Give me your NASCAR." That's I was just. That's how good I'm at multitasking. <laughs> that's where I'm so good at multitasking. Give me your NASCAR instead of give me your address. Uh, okay. A- All right. Phone down. Let's do it. Uh, Roxon won. Dungey got second. And great race. Roxon needs to win a lot more to uh, to narrow this thing a little bit. It's under a race lead, though, for Dunge. But um, I thought it was it was a great race. Although, like, if you're Anderson, Seeley, Tomac, like, you're, I think you're depressed. 20, 22nd gap to, uh, to third place, JT, from those guys. I mean, they were, they worked everybody, and they were pushing. Yeah, they were heads and shoulders better than everyone this weekend. Uh, and we haven't really seen that too much, you know. Even no, yeah. uh, with the races that Dungey's won comfortably, he just he didn't ride away from everyone all that much. Uh, but those two, you could tell, they were really focused on each other, and they were just clicking off the laps that were half a second to a second better than, than everyone else. What did you see out there between the two battles? I mean, uh, Dungey, or Rox, or Dungey got by Roxon. Um, Roxon got him right back. They... They, uh, Roxon got caught a little bit and pulled away. Like it was interesting case study in, inside of 20 laps. We saw a few different things in my opinion, um, good and bad from both guys. 
Yeah, there was some ebb and flow there. Uh, I thought, you know, obviously positioning mattered more than anything because I think their pace was very similar. Uh, I, I thought that Dungey learned a few things from Roxon. Uh, early and mid points of the race, he changed his lines up a couple times uh, just because he was, he was studying what Roxon was doing. And if you remember about, say, like 7, 8, maybe even up close to 10, Roxon had pulled a little gap. And uh, I think that's when Dungey reassessed kind of his lines and where he was going. And then once he changed to the lines that Roxon had improved on, he was able to close, close back up to Kenny. Uh, but I have to give Kenny a lot of credit because although I felt like maybe Ryan had a little bit more pace once he, once he picked up on the lines, Kenny didn't back down. He didn't, uh, he didn't drop off. He was still really strong at the end. Uh, his last lap was really, really good. Um, and he was poised. I mean, that's a lot yeah. of pressure and, it was the whole race, you know, it wasn't, uh, I thought it wasn't like Ryan made a run right at the, right at one point And that was it. He could cruise. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he had to basically put in perfect laps the whole way through. Yeah. I thought the, um, the triple after the under, um, going mm-hmm. wide like that, there's Dungey was doing a lot of that. I didn't, that's not, that wasn't great. Um, you know, you kind of had to cut that corner, come out of the bridge, I think, and just kind of bounce, you know, single bounce over and then keep, keep, stay low in the turn. Yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, like in their fast laps in practice, you had to go three. I mean, you were going three out of the turn to do the fast laps. So I think, uh, I honestly think going three out of the turn was faster. Um, the only problem was that, you know, that turn started getting a little bit beat up. Um, yeah, by the main, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I just thought there was a few little lines here and there that um, Kenny had picked up on and, and Ryan had to kind of – kind of learn and mm-hmm. um i actually read david billman's column and he he made some great points as uh ryan was messing up the rhythm before the finish quite often to where he couldn't go over the tabletop and then four there and every time he screwed it up kenny would pull you know three four tenths or whatever it, it happened to be mm-hmm. and that's a lot you know when you when you have two guys that are basically on the same pace giving up um, that much time in one one section because you you know barely mm-hmm. clip a tabletop. That's a lot of time to have to fight to make back up. So yeah. that my, was uh, a little bit atypical from Dungey from what I saw this year as he was just making that small mistake and just wasn't as precise for some reason. Yeah, by my calculations in practice, it was three to four tenths quicker to go over the table. Um, and, and it was one of those things, too, where you almost had to slow down to do it. You had to slow down for a split second, make sure you're timed by the beginning, and then you're good to go. But if you tried to rush the corner, then you couldn't get it clean it, and then you you had trouble from there. You know? Yeah, it seemed like Dungey was just a bit rushed, as you said. Um, I think he was stressing about Kenny maybe making up a little bit of time or even being as fast. Mm-hmm. So he started to rush sections like that, but you couldn't rush sections like that because you'd screw it up. Yeah. So. I think if you would have let Ryan get out front with the normal gap we've seen him, he probably would have nailed that 20 out of 20 times. Yeah, but yeah. just, yeah, that different scenario, kind of it kind of flustered him a bit. Um, and I, I just think he was he was getting angry that he couldn't couldn't get by rocks and he couldn't get the gap that he's kind of had, he's kind of enjoyed all season. Weege, uh, talking to Kenny after the race, uh, he was happy. Like he told me a couple times, we both interviewed him and we both talked to him for a little while after we we interviewed him, and uh, you could tell he was happy. He said a few times, I, I just want to win. I just want to win. I-, I can't let this guy win anymore. He can't win anymore. He said that a few times. Probably to you. I didn't read your interview yet. I know he said it to me, and he said it to when I when I, when I, when I turned off the mic. <laughs> 
Yeah, I wrote a column actually on Sunday, and um, I, I think I messed it up. I was trying to write it at 5 in the morning, which is never a good idea, um, where I said this is a momentum shift, and I don't necessarily mean it means that Rockton's now the better guy or he's going to win 10 in a row like this. But by talking to him, you could tell that something has changed. Like, I don't know if it's actually going to result in him winning a bunch of races because Dungey's just a really bad dude, and no matter how good you feel and no matter how good it's going, it's going to be hard to beat him. Yeah. But he clearly was in a different state of mind um, throughout the day and then after the race. And I know it's easy to say that after he got the win, but the proof's kind of yeah. in the pudding. No, it, the it, real it, phrase yeah. is proof in the pudding is in the eating. I mean, Dungey was better than him at Oakland. They were somewhat close. Even when Kenny won and uh, Glendale, he said, I think Garner's actually going faster. He's catching me. I'm not happy about that. Like, this is a better performance. And all of a sudden, he's like, yeah, all day, me and Oscar, his mechanic, we're like, we're going to win this. We have to win this. We have to win the heat. We have to win, just like he said to you. I don't know what changed in their outlook, but for some reason, he's a lot more confident than he was um, seven days ago. So I think that's what I mean more. This is a big change. I don't know if it'll help in the results yeah, yeah. a lot. Yeah, who knows, but right? <laughs> you can tell. His, yeah, but his demeanor, something's up. Something changed. He said he woke up, and he's like, I'm going to win today. He goes, that's what right. happened. And I'm like, all right. Well, I woke up today yeah, and said I was going to I woke up today and said I was going to run a triathlon. Doesn't mean I'm going to, you know? Yeah, yeah. And just last week, I mean, his post-race quotes from last week were, I don't know. We were just struggling. We couldn't get the bike where he wanted. It was just a bad night. So yeah. seven days uh, between that is just now, just bizarre. But I was the sometimes, right. I was the same guy who said after Anderson's win, oh, this could be the start of something. Everybody, <laughs> remember that. <laughs> I was the same guy. So keep that in mind. But I wouldn't be surprised, JT, if we start seeing these two separate here. I know it was one race, and I know you know it hasn't been that way this year, but. I wonder if we're going to start to see those two do what we saw in Dallas more often. And again, I've been wrong before, but I'm starting to. I think. I, I, I don't know. I think Anderson's still super relevant. Um, he was a little bit off those guys, but still third. I just think if, if Anderson gets the start he needs, he's going to be in the race. Uh, I just, you know, that this weekend's track was kind of weird. It was slippery. He kind of got the start, though, JT. He was right there. Yeah, I just I think I think maybe we'll see it at times. I just don't think it's going to be a runaway. I don't think those two are okay. well. that much better week in and week out. Um, it's the first time we've seen it, and I don't think that much is going to change. I still think Dungey is the man to beat, without a doubt. I don't think that Roxon will be on that level every single weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe he proves me wrong. It's not. I'm not taking a shot at Roxon. I just I'm going to need to see it more than. You know, twice out of have seven you, races or whatever. Have you? You've always, you know, you're not. You're basically the number one cheerleader for Alden Baker, JT. I'm surprised you don't have photo. You probably have posters of him on your wall. Now that's fine with good reason. The dude, you know, he's taken a ton of titles. Now you've never been a fan of these guys leaving um, Alden. Now it's only been a race and everything else, but I mean, Roxon's strong for twenty, you know, and he's been strong for twenty. Is, is he still? Still not. Um, are you a little bit more on board with him leaving and, and doing his own thing, or is it still? Uh, not really. Okay. I mean, I didn't see much uh, in the way of him challenging for any challenging Dungeon any championships lately. Okay. So. All right. No, I'm just. Yeah. Just no, I, he rode great. I mean, that was an an outstanding performance. Uh, the best race we've probably seen him put in for 20 laps in a long time. But having said all that. He was fighting tooth and nail to keep Dungey off of him the last lap. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. okay. If I may be a little bit more inclined to be like, yeah, man, wow, I didn't see that coming. If he had been able to ride away from Dungey and be like, see ya, I'm better. Mm-hmm. You know, he just couldn't do that. So, do I think it was the right move for him to leave Aldenbaker? That's his call. You know, I think that. Well, yeah, not so much paper, the right move. You think it's the wrong move, but I mean, like, you're, you know, he's. He's recovered. I mean, he's a great rider. Alden yeah. Baker did not make Ken Roxon a great rider. That he was been a great rider before he knew who Alden Baker was when he was 15 years old. He was a great rider. So I just think what's your optimal level and how do you achieve that? I think that you know I, I personally think that he's he was better with Alden than without him. That's my own opinion. Yeah. Um, but you know, Kenny rode awesome. That's that's the level though. If he wants to get back into this title fight and that he wants to beat Ken, uh, Ryan Dungey, you know, the, the next nine or ten rounds or whatever we have left, he's going to need to do that every single weekend because from what we've seen, Ryan Dungey will do that every single weekend. J- JT, you should have seen Weege. Uh, he's just ridiculous after the race. So we we get out of there. We're talking to um, Chuck from Road to Recovery for a long time. After mm-hmm. the race, talking to Kenny and Courtney, and you know, and, and we're hanging out, and so we get out like we get out at probably midnight, right? Quarter, okay. maybe quarter after twelve. We just flight is at seven a.m. Um, he's staying by the airport. Mm-hmm. Um, I drive him. I get in the car and I'm taking him to his hotel, and he's like, "You know what? Screw it, man. Screw it, man. Just take me to the airport." And I'm like, "What? When's your flight? Seven a.m. So like seven hours later, I'm like." What? Why would you do that? He's like, well, I got to work for three hours, and uh, I'll just sleep in some chairs until my f-. I'm like, what? Why would you <laughs> do that? Why would you do well, that? First you, of all, you, I didn't have a car, so I needed to – I didn't know if that hotel had a – Yeah, well, they have cabs. No to get they, to the airport. They have taxi cabs. Taxi, these things called taxi cabs. And that's a lot of money. I'm just like, what are you talking about? Shades of tits sleeping in his truck? Like, Absolutely. Like, go to your hotel room. You, you're not a caveman. Go to your that room. Was a terrible I, idea, I ended up sleeping. I slept for an hour and ten minutes in the hotel bed. What was the point? How did you hour and ten minutes? How do you sleep for an hour and ten? How? I dropped you because off. Because that's all I had. I got done at three in the morning. I needed to wake up at four ten, or whatever it was. Or I went to bed at four and I needed to get up at five ten. Whatever it was, I remember setting my alarm and saying, "Yep, an hour and ten minutes of sleep." It's still better than sleeping in a. It's still better than sleeping in a hotel, in airport chairs. I did it in Phoenix. It was it was superb. <laughs> it's like Jesus, Weege, Racer X will not be mad if you have to take a cab, you know, spend some money on a cab or, or get a hotel. Yeah, but here's what it comes down to. When you're only getting an hour of sleep at most, or whatever, or two hours, I calculate like the going into the hotel, driving here, getting a cab, whatever, that's gonna take an extra hour of time. So now I'm gonna go from two hours of sleep to one hour of sleep. Like that's what I in Phoenix, that's what I calculated. I'm like I can drive another half hour, go to the hotel, check in, go up to the room, come back out, drive here. That's going to be an hour overall. That's a whole hour less sleep I'm going to get if I just <laughs> didn't do it. Uh, I don't know. I mean, an hour of sleep is not a lot. I needed every minute I could get. Ridiculous. I slept for four, so I, I mean, I did not like I got a ton, but I'm just like, what are you, t- what are you doing? So yeah, I did it in Phoenix. It was great. Anyways, Phoenix, uh, so there Saturday morning. I actually came home a Sunday afternoon. I was wearing the same clothes I had at my house on Saturday morning. I went coast to coast. I never even got into a hotel or changed or showered or anything. It was brilliant. Yeah, and, and you're ridiculous. <laughs> it is ridiculous. And then uh, you're flying in Saturday mornings, like to Dallas. You flew in Saturday morning. Atlanta, you'll oh, get great. in. Yeah, and I'm really starting to worry about you, Weege. 
You're becoming like Howard Hughes. You're going to start wearing Kleenex boxes on your feet. Dude, it's all about the efficiency. You can keep finding inefficiencies and keep maximizing the efficiencies. I'm just looking for inefficiencies in my schedule. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Sealy looked like he had third, and I was watching. I gotta admit, I was watching the Rocks and Dungey thing, and then I was watching the Bogle Freeze thing. For we'll, we'll get to that, but I missed Anderson catching Sealy. I haven't watched the broadcast yet. Did you guys see that or what? Sealy was pissed. He was gone after the um, after the uh, after the race. And I guess Anderson just straight up caught him, passed him. Sealy said his shoulder was a little sore, but did you guys catch that? No, I didn't see it either. And then even the Honda people said they didn't see it because it was so quick. And Anderson said, I don't know. I think he bobbled, and he didn't jump any of the jumps. I just went right by him. He's like, I, like the easiest pass. He said it was the easiest pass I've ever made. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, I thought Sealy had I thought Sealy had third on lock, JT. Right? Like I, I, was I like, did, too. I missed that whole thing. Right. I'm like, right, I totally right. did. Right. Weird. Did TV catch it? Did we watch it yet? I'm getting there. The eagle, eyes right of, the eagle eyes of Ralph Shaheen. I know Irv didn't catch it. There's zero chance Irv caught it. So, you have Irv in your notes as well. Um, yeah. Well, I want to talk about that. It's in my notes. Yeah, we have an Irv story for yeah. later in the show. Oh, it's yeah. for later. Okay. All right. I didn't know if you want to bring well, it. Whatever. Up. Do it in a little bit. We're bringing it up right now. So we we're in a closed-in press box in Dallas. So you can hear Irv piped in with no bike noises. So it's straight Irv, the Supercross live announcer. And at some point, Reach, for at some point, they start talking. There's a there's a heat race, and Tomac goes down, and he was in third, I think, when he went down. Yeah. And yeah. Irv, for about a lap and a half, they even throw it to him because Lurch on the floor says, "What's up with Ir- What's up with Tomac?" I see. No, 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 Lurch says, "I see yellow flags coming out of the tunnel, but I can't see who's down." Irv, what's going on? So he tells Irv exactly exactly where to look and there's tomac laying on the ground going from qualifying for the main and third to like sixth takes her a good minute or something to calculate all this and by the time he looks tomac is now back up yep so herb says i don't know it looks like the flags are back up and eli tomac running brilliantly there in third place but he's already in sixth at yeah. this point it's a lap and a half later so he was he was cued hey someone's down look at the yellow flags out of the tunnel and somehow he couldn't, couldn't get <laughs> couldn't it. It was only the difference in Tomac going, you know, qualifying yeah. the heat and qualifying to the semi. And then he made an excellent point about how great Tomac was riding, so he, like, doubled down on it. He doubled down on he it. Did. <laughs> yeah. He did. Yeah. Uh, poor Lurch, he really tried. <laughs> He's awesome. He's just awesome. Incredible announcer in every every way, in shape and form. I, I, I'm sure the fans that are casual to the series, they leave more confused than ever before when they, than they walked into the stadium. They leave more confused, wondering what's going on with the series. Um, all right, so Anderson. Anderson. learned a lot about Paul Carpenter. Yeah, Paul Carpenter mentions were two. Two Paulie Carpenters mentioned. And Paulie, Paulie hasn't been racing for uh, uh, six years. <laughs> Probably six years. Would you say, JT? When did Carpenter retire? 2010? I want to say... Shoot, man. It's been, it's been at least... <laughs> Six years? Yeah, well, two mentions of Polly yeah. in Dallas. <laughs> Maybe they were doing some road construction out there. Right. Um, yeah, so Anderson got Sealy. Sealy was pissed, uh, took off, and um, I, I, I don't want to say, JT, we'll stay with the Honda guys right now. I, I think it's still far from a panic button, but Canard season's 
turning turning bad right now. And I talked to John Gallagher a little bit. They got into it last week. Gallagher was a little pissed at San Diego, too. And we read about it in Cycle News, and none of us had ever heard about it. And I didn't get a chance to talk to Trey or, or Dan Bentley at Honda about it. But, you know, they were they were singling out of that rhythm before the finish and making a hard left at San Diego. And Trey, I've never – I didn't see anybody do this all day. Trey tripled out while Dungey was making a left, and um, Trey nailed him. And I, I guess, Trey, according to Trey, everything was fine with Dungey and he apologized and everything else. Well, John Gallagher, the FIM, wanted to talk to him a little bit. Things got heated. Trey hit him, poked him in the chest with a water bottle, I guess, or something. And I talked to Gallagher about it. He's like, I never thought that me mentioning to him, you know, would ever go that far. But it, it, it you know, it went that far or whatever. So, anyways. Um, well, didn't what didn't DeCoster have a hand in this as well? Well, yeah, DeCoster said something afterwards, yeah. Right. He said something to Gallagher. Um, and I think that's where the the – difference comes in is from how Trey said the conversation went to how John Gallagher said the conversation went to. I think there's some yeah. difference of opinion well, there. Well, yeah. I mean, exactly. But you, you add that, like, I think it sounded like Trey kind of overreacted. And maybe Gallagher was in the wrong. But, you know, whatever. Well, that, I, that's, and that's another point of difference, I think. You know, it, overreacting is only is dependent on how the first you know, the John Gallagher's point was made. You either react or you overreact, right? Yeah. So well, that, no, one, no one knows because we weren't there, right? right. My point yeah, going to, to all this is that, so now Trey's got, he's got frustration, missing a couple of races with injury, crashing. Now he has that going on where he's a little pissed and wondering if he's being targeted. Now this weekend uh, crashes again and, uh, you know, rides well to get back up front to, to where he was, but. It's not going well for Trey Kennard and Honda right now. I would agree. It's not a. It's not what I would assume he nor the team nor his fans or anyone would want yeah. or expect at this point. It's like uh, if he gets a good start, he's okay. If he doesn't get, he's not getting starts though when he needs them, and then he's trying to. You know, he's fast and he's got amazing skills. So. When he doesn't get a bat, well, doesn't get a good start. He's trying to rip through the pack, and that's when mistakes happen because he he does ride that fine line. Like he he made a couple of passes on that left before the triple closest to the press box there, where he cut underneath guys that were just beautiful, you know. But mm-hmm. I, when you're riding back there with those guys, anything can happen, and he's getting caught up in every little thing out there. It's got to be so a bit frustrating for him. It's yeah, when it rains, of course. I think. And yeah. Yep. I agree. What? I was going to I say, just said so, when it rains, it's so it. Oh, jeez. Go ahead, JT. <laughs> All I was going to say is when it rains, it pours. All I was going to say is that, unfortunately, this is what you, you have seen from Trey a lot. Like, the speed is always good. And, man, you can go back to Anaheim 1 in the main event. He passed Ryan Dungey. He passed him. Knocked him down, but he was going fast enough to pass him. Uh, but then it's all these other things, like anything that can go wrong goes wrong. The starts are inconsistent. Uh, yeah, then he tries making passes that are like not not dirty, not stupid, but right on the line. And then half the time he pulls it off, and half the time he doesn't. Yep. He had one in the main event where he bumped the dude and he ended up going down. But I think in the heat he passed the Mooscan and it worked. So, but man, it's just it, it's really been what we've seen from Trey forever. Like there's these moments where it all works and then combine that with his speed. And you're like, he's as good as anybody, but the mistakes or the top bad timing of bad starts or the wrong place, wrong time. It just, 
I mean, it's really been happening for 10 years now. It's unfortunate because it's so tantalizing when a guy can go as fast as anyone else and the results don't come. Yeah, like to me, to me, uh, he should be battling with Anderson, Seeley, Tomac every single race in that top five. Every single race. Yeah. Podiums, yeah, he's win. Absolutely, they're left. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. yep. And he's far off those guys right now. So, one of those things. Uh, Marvin Muskan, what a race. Wow. How each? Whew. Fell in the first good. turn. You know what, what? He's been like, uh, in his own little way, it's almost been like trade this year where some of the races Muskan's just been off, but in the races where he's been really good this year, he ends up blowing it in some way. Like, this is the perfect example. Like, you could tell from practice it was going to be a good night for him. And then he crashing his heat and then crashed in the first turn of the main event. And you're just like, oh, he hasn't really fully been able to show what he has except for that one podium. But he could have had more, I think. There's some nights where, again, he's in there with that group. But every week he doesn't get it done. Yeah, he rode great. People were saying how oh, tough yeah. it was. Um, people were saying how tough it was to pass. Well, Marvin made it done. Marvin made it happen. And uh, good for him. That was a great race. So I think Mar- Marvin, and we've talked about the balls on the handlebars thing, I think there's a bigger variation for him track to track um, than some of the other guys. You know, when it's a technical track and it's slippery like this, he can do some amazing things. But then it was like that race at Glendale, those whoops, they just ate him alive. Like, yeah, yeah. All the handlebars just go to fourth gear in the whoops and those suckers, and right. that's just not his deal. So I think that's why you see a little up and down. It, I, I'd say Moose Kent's the hardest guy to categorize week to week. I never know where to put him. You know, for example, in fantasy, where do you put him? The eighth place guy or your third place guy? Well, this week, this week I put him in fourth after the qualifying and after he was strong sure. all day. And I'm like, oh, wow, Marvin's right. on it, you know? Yeah. I've been impressed. I didn't honestly think some of the highs that he's had this year, I didn't think he'd be uh, as good as he's been. He hasn't done it consistently, but I wouldn't have thought that there were races that he'd be battling right. for fast qualifier, but he definitely was on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, JT, what do you think of Tomac's race? Wasn't good. Wasn't uh, wasn't good. I didn't I didn't like what I saw in the main event at all. Yeah, the starts were terrible. That's you know that's why he was in the semi and mm-hmm. not even at the front of the semi. Yeah, did, I didn't uh, even know he was in that semi until two laps in. Yeah, he was way back. There. I'm like, who? Tomac's in this? Wow, jeez. Yeah, it wasn't uh, wasn't good. Even in the main event, he got clear, and he had every chance in the world to catch up to uh, Seely and uh, Anderson. Could not do it. They actually pulled away from him. So. Yeah, I wasn't. Uh, I was not impressed at all with Eli's ride on Saturday. I think also too a track like that that's a little bit slippery, um, a little bit of line choice, uh, throttle happy Eli Tomac maybe not the best track for him. You know he needs traction. He needs a little bit of berms. He needs rocks. Then it, he was so down. good at Glendale. Yeah, you know, he was catching rocks, and so yeah. I, I get what you're saying, and I would tend to agree with you. But then I see these races where it makes me wonder is that really the case because he's so fast because there was no traction at glendale it was slippery as hell yeah so i don't know i don't know what to think true but um fifth place is all good we each we're good with that we'll take that wasn't good i'm seven weeks in we're doing fine i don't know what to tell you i'm i know we argued really bad about this but this to me this race was one of the worst if not the worst ones yet um, it, it was not. It was not good. I, I'd go with that too. I think. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd go with that yeah. too. Yeah, I agree. Because every other race, you could say, I feel like, well, he was as fast as most of those guys. It just didn't work out or whatever. But this time, I mean, yeah, Anderson and uh, Sealy just pulled away from him. Like, I don't think that's been happening consistently all year, where they just 
I couldn't believe how far ahead they were of him at the end. And at one point, I don't know when it was, maybe last seven or eight, they were all pretty close. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be interesting. Like, there's only, like, say, four seconds between Seeley, Anderson, and Tomac mm-hmm. all together. And yeah. they just worked them. That was bad. I thought they were making progress. This was not progress. No, that, that wasn't good. He's got to uh, definitely – Definitely give you that one, Steve. That was not a good, good showing. Wow, we'll see. I mean, again, it was, I, no, you know, a yeah, typical one weekend uh, doesn't change everything. Yeah. But that that one definitely was more the way you've been leaning. I'll go. I'll give you that. Well, the the thing is, 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 is you know how these things go. You know, I argue that it hasn't been successful, and it turns into you think Tomac sucks, and that's how it goes because there's no, there's no, there's <laughs> yeah, no middle yeah. ground here. He's been fine, but it hasn't been as good as I think well, anybody expected. And that was no, my and, and I to your point to argue against the people that are calling you an idiot. He was hired to win. No one, yeah, no I mean, one could argue that. Just, if you don't think that Eli Tomac was was hired and paid accordingly to win, then you don't know much about well, and how that, the sport works. So rides like what he turned in in Arlington are not representative of what people expect. Well, and it's what we talked 100%. about. Barsha, Barsha is paid to win. Hey, yeah, you, you need to win. Hundred percent. You, you need to get on a podium every week, every week, or win. So, yep. um, yeah, it's, we'll see. We'll see. He's got a. You know what? Maybe Daytona will be the one where he turns it around. I mean, good. That's a place for him. You know. So, mm-hmm. we'll see. It wasn't good though. That's for sure. Uh, Weege. It was. It was. It was number seven. It was round seven. The three seven seven. Three. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe the three seven seven picked round seven because of the seven seven in his number. I don't know, but he was good. He almost won a heat. I mean, I was so interested to watch him because it was round seven. You know, and I even went over to uh, Mohead there as mechanic just to double check, like, <laughs> is the round seven thing? Did I just hear that or is that a thing? And he's like, no, that's a thing. And you could just tell, like, first of all, in practice, he didn't just have the one good lap like usual. Like, he had all practices, like, most of his laps were good. And then for the first time this year, I'm literally watching the main event right now, and I'm watching him banging into Kennard. They hit each other two or three yes, times. Yes, yes. All of a sudden, yep. he's just pulled it. Battling dudes, bumping them, it's all good. That was almost weirder to me than anything else. He was, like, engaged in racing. Like, I want to race. I want to fight. Which has yeah. not been the case at all with Purcell. So. This battle with him and Kennard is epic. Like, his lap and a half of them just swapping lines in every corner. He wanted nothing to do with that with any rider for even one turn for six weeks. I'm gonna tell. Hey, tell Coombs I'm out for the next seven weeks. I just I don't want to work. And I'll be back. I'm gonna put in my feature. I'm gonna do a feature in seven weeks, and and it'll be a hell of a feature. But just tell him I I want no. You know I want to collect a paycheck, but I, I'm, I'm doing nothing for the for the next six weeks. Tell him that. See how that goes. We should, uh, we should all do that. after it. he and uh, Hayden and his girlfriend, they did indicate that they knew. Uh, like Bobby was giving them a lot of rope, and maybe a few more weeks than seven weeks. But he was going to have to start doing something eventually. <laughs> like, this but, wasn't. They were giving him time, but they yeah. weren't. It wasn't like the 14th every weekend. We're getting it done. Yeah. Um, JT, go tell Craig, WPS there. You're out mm-hmm. for six weeks. You'll start. You'll pick it up in seven. Seven weeks, you will sell the crap out of some fly gear. But for you'd like the next six weeks to really just be real low key. Yeah, I don't think that's <laughs> going to go well. You know, for for a man whose favorite saying is. You know, about a forty-hour work week. He remembers when he had a part-time job, type thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, yeah, that's not going to go well. Right. But I, I, you're not as impressed. You're not as impressed in, with Purcell, JT, though. You're not. Like I said, well, that's what I was going to yeah. go into. Okay. Is referring again to David Villman's column on Pulp Max. Pulp Max. I, com, everybody. Are we supposed to celebrate him getting an eighth? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, yes, you have a point. You absolutely do. Like, yep. He's a factory rider. Factory equipment. Yeah, I mean, two time, he won two, two regional titles or one? Two. Two. Yeah, I, I just, listen, it was much better. It was an improvement. No one, no one could argue that. It was better than what we've seen. It was more effort than what we've seen. But he, he was light years from getting anywhere near a podium or, top, or even top five. Yeah. So, well, maybe not light years from top <laughs> yeah, five, but yeah. definitely the podium. Right. So I don't know. I mean, yes, it was better. I'll give him credit if he's claiming round seven. Sure, he he looked like he tried harder, but it wasn't like outdoors where he just jumped on the podium and was like, "Yeah, I'm here. I can I can lead races." And what what else you got? You know, it wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was really only the point I was making. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, you're just not. I mean, he's a great rider. I just think he's capable of so much that getting an eighth shouldn't be. People shouldn't be jumping up and down because this he's is, so good. He's so talented. I mean, you and he's, you could say uh, like an eighth should be an okay night for him. A top ten is an okay night. Top yeah, five, no, some better. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. definitely when he comes back to the truck, Bobby should be like, "See, that's more of what we want. Right. Like, we need to build from this yep. and get you to what you're capable of." You know, that's that's definitely not the end of the road as far as we're there. You know, this is what we got to do. I don't I don't think that's it because I think he's capable of a lot more than that. And also too, like. Chad fell in the last lap and was ahead of him. Weston yeah. Pike was beating him pretty soundly. It had uh, re-aggravated a, a hand or arm injury and dropped out of the race. And there was one more guy. Trey was ahead of him. Trey had passed him and then crashed. And crashed. Yeah. So, you know, that eighth could have been an, an 11th. But it was more fight than we've seen. And No, absolutely. Yeah, the effort yeah. was there. I'll give him that because there's been zero <laughs> effort leading up to this. This is what we're at. We're, we're applauding an effort. For a factory rider, where the effort was there. So, um, I don't. I don't even applaud the effort. I'm just intrigued by the again typical Porcel. When what other story can you ever come up with that matches this? A dude saying it will happen at round seven, and then he does not try for the first six rounds, and then son of a gun, round seven, he starts trying. Like I've never seen anything like that. It's just bizarre. I'm not even saying it's good or bad. It's just who else does this? Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, what is that? How when you. I need to go talk to Mohead. Obviously, Purcell doesn't talk to me, but every single mechanic relationship Purcell has had has ended badly with the other mechanic dropping a lot of four-letter words about his time with Kristoff. And I know all these guys. I'm going to see how Mohead is doing. He's a pretty positive guy, so we'll see. He doesn't really treat his mechanics real well, judging by every other one he's had. So maybe this, one, maybe this one's different. Um. Uh, what about roadblock? Roadblock all right? Well, I think they talk, but it wasn't good at the end. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think they talk now and everything else, but it wasn't, wasn't great. Um, okay. The 22, JT, the floor is yours to explain the 22. <laughs> oh, I'm, I have all the answers? Yep. Um, yeah, you're his friend. Well, I, I don't think he would, could give you a solid answer right now. It was a bad day all around. I mean, he was slow in practice. He didn't want to jump the jumps that he's 10 times more than capable of. Uh, he didn't feel comfortable. He didn't want to talk about it. Um, he crashed on the last lap, you know, when he was trying to, I think he was trying to pass Purcell maybe. Yeah. I didn't uh, see the I, crash. I, I didn't see it, but yeah. Yeah. He crashed um, yeah. on the, the section at the far end uh, where they were going to, and then the, they were either going 
two 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 or two three one yep. at the in, in the end zone. Um, yeah, just wasn't uh, wasn't a good day or night. So hmm. whatever momentum he had in the first few rounds yeah. is not there right now. Yeah, um, yeah, not good. We got to get him back. We got to get the twenty two back somehow. Yeah, I mean, there was obviously a lot of talking between myself and Burner and uh, the, Truman and people that know him well, uh, just breaking down his riding mentally, physically. I hope he wasn't talking technique. to Truman. I mean, I've never yeah. seen I've never seen a guy jump on and off bandwagons like Dan Truman. He is either <laughs> he is either you are either Jesus to him or he wishes you would die. There's no in between with Dan Truman. I hope he just yeah, stays away from Dan Truman. Pretty tight with Chad right now, though. <laughs> uh, um, big part of Chad's program. I mean, he helps well, can at we, the practice track can, and all kinds of stuff. What happened to the keys? What what about Burner's keys? Well, that's a, that was with Alessi. So. I know, but can we get those same keys. Uh, maybe I don't know. It wasn't um, do good. You want, do you want your keys back after they've been in Michael Alessi? I don't know. <laughs> what? Let's let's get into that MCR. What happened to those guys this weekend? And in a good way. They're on fire. Dude, yeah, they're on fire. Oh my God, Mike starts are back. Vince was, Vince never did that quad, and he was fifth overall or sixth overall, and that quad, like we said, was four tenths quicker, three to four tenths quicker, and he never jumped it. And Nick Way said, "Is Freeze's time real?" And I said, "Yes." I said, "And he's not even jumping the quad." And he writes back, "So Freeze is number one if he jumps a quad." <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I think so. I've told him he's number one many times. Well, I've motioned it to him. Right. Um, so, anyways, yeah, kind of. They were both really good this weekend in qualifying in the heats, in the mains. Right. I don't know what happened. Yeah, um, people are going to look at the results unless he crashed and a freezer crashed. So people are going to look at the results and they're going to have no clue what we're talking about. But like practice, they were good. The heat race didn't let he get second in the heat race, and I think Tomac. I think he got third. No, when he was in third, did he get third? But Tomac, yeah, they weren't eating him up. He he was just running the pace. Like, he started second, and he was going as fast as those guys for the most part. It was, yeah, it was good. <laughs> the results were terrible. But trust us, if you watch them before they crashed, they were riding <laughs> way better than they have earlier yeah. in the year. And, and uh, so let's get into the Bogle thing with Freeze. So, obviously, their reputation, um, you know, precedes Vince. He Bogle was in third for a while, then he was kind of going backwards. Vince was eating him up. If I looked at the times, I wrote about this in my column on RaceRex coming up. Vince had made up over three seconds in the previous three laps. So Vince was coming. Bogle was going backwards. He probably would have passed him. There was no need for Vince to clean Bogle out, which is what people thought happened. But, JT, I watched the whole thing in front of me, and you rewatched it on video. He clipped that second triple. Or the second jump of that triple, this is off my memory, I never saw the video, his hand flew off and his bike went right into Bogle. Is that kind of what you saw? Yeah, I, I was like many and thought, just I assumed yes. uh, that Vince went for the takeout there. Uh, and, I mean, rightfully so. He's done it so many times, you just go to that. But he wasn't trying to take, to take him out there. It was really just a poor decision. Uh, there's just no just, way he was going to make that work. Well, he made a mistake. He just made a mistake. Yeah, but there was no room anyway. It was just one of those things where it was a it was a bad choice. Bogle, because Bogle was using the line where you go through the inside, you bounce, and then you land kind of on the left side mm-hmm. through momentum. I mean, it was a common line. Everyone was using it. Uh, Rocks and all those guys, you know, the, it was the most commonly used line through that section was to 
roll through the inside, and then bounce over, bounce from the second one to the third one. Well, Vince tried to go outside and use the line that Dungey was using, uh, and it, he got out of control, and his bike obviously rocketed into, rocketed into Bogle, and they're, obviously we were both laying there. Bogle I don't think assuming. he was trying to take him out, which oh. is his typical you know, go-to, uh, but I, I still think it was a poor choice to try to even force it in there at all. I think it was an accident, 100% accident. Again, I didn't see well, the video like you did. Well, an accident be a poor decision. I, no, but poor I, decision what caused an accident. No, I don't think there was any decision to go for the pass. It was strictly a... You would probably want to watch the video again. Okay, all right. Because um, he tried to triple. Like I there. said, yeah, yeah, and I think he just he screwed up the triple, you know? Um, but what I'm saying is there was no room to triple. If he, oh, if he yeah. had held on to if his If he had cleared the triple, you're saying. If you're saying he cleared the triple clean, right. He would have landed into or on Bogle. Okay, well, maybe so. Um, so Bogle... Pushes him, I think, or he backed his bike into him. Well, pushes him first when they got up, and then he put, picked his bike up, waited for Vince to pick up his bike, and then backed back into Freeze. And I don't know if he, he didn't knock him down, but he held him up again. And then I guess they had words back in the pits. But I mean, Freeze is on permanent probation, so he's just like, oh god, I got to stay away from this. And like JT, you know, poor decision by him. But and you and you can't blame Bogle for getting up and being like, what? All he sees is the fifty-five bike there, right? And he, he saw his right. rear end getting taken out, but. Drama on the track, so yeah, with Vince Bogle. Bogle had to be tired, right? I mean, he he was going backwards in a hurry. Well, I, like I said, I did the math because I wanted to prove that Vince wasn't trying to do that. He gained three seconds on him, three laps. You know, he was coming. Vince was. Yeah, Bogle was going. I think backwards, Bogle but. just wore himself out trying to go the the lead pace, but yeah, um, it wasn't going to turn out good for Bogle. I don't think in any case. Now, we uh, do you feel like they were inspired, Mike and Vince, by the the believe the hype oh four Honda? That they, they're wheeling out in the pits? Yeah, apparently so. Uh, I checked it out for myself. <clears throat> Not only was the 04 Honda there, but they even have a display plaque custom designed by the folks at uh, Moto Concepts. Uh, podium class, podium cla- uh, premier class podium motorcycle at the age of 16 years old, Sierra 450R. Um, but my favorite part was um, I, I'm walking by, I'm looking at the bike, and Mike Genova was sitting on it, and I get in a conversation with Genova, and he's like, man, believe it or not, I started this thing and rode it. A vacuum cleaner has more power than this bike. And I'm like, yeah, I was really wondering, like, how bad is an 11-year-old bike compared to what you have now? He's like, this bike is so slow. And then Tony Alessi comes out of the rig a few minutes later. And I'm like, Tony, how good would this bike be if Mike tried to race it now? It would be completely competitive outdoors. Completely competitive. And I'm like, really? And then Jova says, Tony, that's bullshit. <laughs> so we got one guy saying it's a vacuum cleaner yeah. and yeah. one guy saying it's He's completely. Like, it. The bike slow. And Tony's like, that bike, uh, he goes, that bike is probably 54 horsepower, Tony. And Tony goes, 55. And he's like, oh, we're going to argue over one horsepower? And he's like, but Mike is always asking us for less horsepower, so 55 is enough. He would probably be four positions off of where he'd be on a, on a 2016 bike. Four positions. That's the only difference this bike would make. This bike is good. <laughs> and we just wishing he never would have started this this conversation. Oh, I was so glad I did. It was so great. <laughs> Jova and Tony arguing over how competitive the 2004. Uh, <laughs> I, I got that. Make this up. Yeah, I got that thing not being very competitive with the carburetor and and everything else. But that's just me. Um, all right, let's move. Hey, on. I grew up reading MXA where they would claim that like the 1982 Suzuki full floater suspension yeah. suspension's never gotten better. Like that was yeah. as good as. The Mako. It was always a Mako. It was always the Mako. The 81 Sand Spider 490 could come back right now and win 500 nationals. 
Yes. Yep. They they just they put gimmicks on the bikes to make you buy them, but they don't actually improve. Right. Uh, yep. Wrapping up the 450 class here, uh, Phil was in the B practice. He was very upset about that. It, it, but Thule at the AMA has a system where it doesn't go by quarter, kind of how you did. It goes by your qualifying times because he feels like he wants the fastest pace going in that seated practice. So Phil, being the poor qualifier he is, was sent to the B practice despite making every single main. And then he almost killed Zach Williams, and he flipped him off. Just another day in the life of Phil Nicoletti. But then he had his best main of the year in a while. He didn't fall. Got 15th, so he's, he was okay with that. Uh, Andrew Short still not pumped JT on his on his comeback a little bit, but it's going to take time. He's not pumped, but... No, he's not. He's, he's not thrilled. Uh, but I think he'll be all right. Just right. needs to keep working at it. I mean, these guys were these guys were doing motos and getting better and better while he was sitting on the couch with a, you know, mm-hmm. opened up shoulder, so. Yeah. Um, Millsaps was good again, right? Yeah, he Seven? was good. Yeah. He's good. He's got a bad thumb? Weech? He does. Or, Jade, somebody said, one of you two told me he's got a bad thumb. Yeah, he told me he's a bad thumb, but he didn't really get much into it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it kind of sucks. I asked him the same injury as Barsha, and he said, I don't know what Barsha has. Yeah, the injury's not great. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out because yeah, it could uh, it could get a lot worse. Um, One of those we'll things, yeah. See. One of those things where, yeah, you can't ride during the week. If you're going to aggravate it if you crash or whatever. And then, yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. He didn't ride all week before the race. He got a, you know, tortle shot to, to help with the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. I don't know. I, I don't have a solid answer for how it's going to play out yet. All right, let's move into the 250s unless you guys have anything else to say. All right, 250, uh, we'll take a commercial break. Racer X podcast, run by Fox Racing. Uh, listen to this commercial from Racetech. Save yourself money. Use the code PulpMX16 on anything Racetech offers, suspension or motor services now. they got great motor services. And uh, also, two Michelin Starcross 5, uh, brand new tire, whatever you thought about Michelin's before. Forget about it, because now uh, they got a new tire. So take, listen to this commercial, and uh, we'll be right back. Hey, thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Racetech people, Racetech.com. These guys have been in business for over 30 years, supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory-level suspension to everyday racer. There's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with Racetech. Trust me on this. There's more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to, uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you, Eh, probably 82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something something uh, on your bike needs attention for Racetech. I guarantee you. Freeze, Gilmore, some of the guys just using uh, Racetech, Privateer Proven. They work with uh, Ben LeMay also. They're back with Ben LeMay. And uh, they offer a full line of Racetech high-performance springs. These springs are called high-performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. You want to save 10%? At uh, Racetech, go to PulpMX2015 when you order. You can save 10% at Racetech.com. And they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right. Back to the show. Michelin tires are back. 
people. MichelinMotorcycle.com. Michelin Starcross 5, brand new, available in hard, medium, soft, and sand. Uh, their off-road tires are some of the best ones out there, and they've revamped this whole lineup. There's no one who knows these tires better than our own, Chris Kiefer. When they're calling it comfort casing technology, what are they talking about? Is this a fancy marketing term or what? No, it's actually the carcass of the tire itself, so how much it flexes or how you know sidewall stiffness that you have when you come into corners. And what's cool about this tire is even from the previous version, the MH3, it gives more. So when you hit square edge or you're coming out of a corner with some bumps, it has some give to it. It's more comfort, so it doesn't feel so rigid. A lot of that has to do with the, the CCT. So you're telling me the comfort casing at the end of the day, maybe it helps you a little bit to have some suspension in tires. Yeah, obviously it's flexing a little bit, but also, too, when you come into corners, you don't want it to roll on you. So they've got that dialed in to where you come into a corner and you still have enough stiffness where it grabs and bites, but yet straight line, you have comfort. Hey, as a former factory mechanic, Kiefer, I know all about mounting tires, um, so no problem for me to mount anything. Right. Well, maybe not a moose. Uh, you found mounting these new Michelins uh, pretty easy, actually. Yeah, I'm a great test rider, but my mechanic skills are novice at best, so mounting the tire was wasn't too bad. They sent me a bunch of tires to mount before testing, and I was out there busting in the garage. And normally, you got to put some tires in the sun, let them soften up a little bit. But this, uh, the bead rolls on really nice. I didn't have to struggle. No curse words were, were sworn in the garage, so uh, it was a lot better for me, you know, putting these on. Four versions of this tire. They cover all the uses. Key for reduced weight, comfort casing technology, mounting, traction handling. They do it all. Starcross Five, MichelinMotorcycle.com. Thank those guys. Check them out. The local dealer people. These guys no tires and they know what they're doing and we're back racer x podcast presented by fox racing with jason wygant and jason thomas 250 class christian craig's move weege fair or foul yeah i think i'm gonna go foul on that one um i talked to christian after the race and he's like he gave the kind of the standard answer that a lot of the guys give, like, you know, defending my position, he would have done it if he was in that position. I don't think many dudes are moving over in the loops to take a line away. Um, it was bad. And you know what? The only reason it wasn't an absolute disaster, I mean, Savaji, if he crashed like that 100 times, 95 of them he's going to get hurt bad. Like, that was pure luck that he didn't get hurt. There were three different – he landed on his head, then the bike – hit him in the back of the neck mm-hmm. and head, and then Webb jumped over him while he was laying in a boot. But he should have gotten hurt. Right. Uh, that was not a good one, man. I, I know what Craig's saying, but I don't think it applies in that situation. Um, you cannot move over in the boots to take someone's line away. It, I, when do you see that? I feel like you never see guys do that. JT? Yeah, this is the subject of my breakdown article that comes out tomorrow on RacerX Online. Uh, I, don't, I don't like it. I don't think you should ever move over when someone's committed to something, whether it's a jump, whether it's a whoop section, uh, which Joey was, you know, I, and I read once again to reference David Villeman's column. Wow. Look at you saying quite, that quite a, quite a fan. Well, I, I think he, he hit on a lot of points that we're all, we're discussing also. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was kind of saying that Christian was already a bit to the left, but if you look at the video and replay it over and over, he was all the way to the right coming over that single jump. I mean, he's as far right as you can go. Uh, and then at the end of the whoop section, he's all the way to the left. So he crossed the entire track to try to block. And I think if you really want to see how it's, it's done correctly and safely, watch rocks and squeeze Dunge a little bit in the whoops. He doesn't do anything dangerous. He just leans on him a little bit to kind of block Dungey's line a little bit. But he doesn't, he doesn't cut over to where, you know, uh, Dungey doesn't have anywhere to go. 
Savace had nowhere, literally nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. Christian cut so hard to the left that, I mean, he was in his line. You know, when Savace lands, he's on top of Christian there. So I thought it was, it was uh, pretty far out of line. You know, I don't, I, I would tend to believe Christian that he didn't mean to go as far as he did to the left. But in any case, I mean, he, he absolutely was the reason that Joey crashed. So I, I would say foul. Absolutely. One thing for sure, it deprived us of a great race because it was Christian, Savace, and Webb. It was on. And Osborne, right, behind Webb. So. Yep. Um, yeah, it just, it just sucks for a championship to – not that it's over by any means. It's, what, 12 points, I think. 11, yep. Uh, yeah, but it, it really changed the, the face of it. You know, it changed the, the intensity and the pressure that, you know, Webb was feeling. Um, mm-hmm. And it was changed by a rider that's really not in the championship anymore. So it's it's a bummer all the way around. Uh, luckily, you know, Joey's okay. Craig was on full defense mode after the race. I'm sure his social media was getting torn up too. But, yeah, he was on full defense mode. Yeah, I mean, he kind of needed to be. Like, yeah. I didn't – I don't think it was a great move. Uh, and to Savachi's credit, I thought that was it for the night. Got up and got 10th. I thought he would be done. I'm like, oh, that's not good. And then he kind of rode kind of slow for a lap and then got back up on his horse, and a.k.a. Scowie, 250F, and, and salvaged a tenth and could have been. And Peters was right in front of him, and Aldrich was right there too. Could have been even better. But, yeah, it kind of does take the wind out of things, doesn't it, Weege? Yeah, it would have just been interesting to see what um, what – what would have transpired in that race. I mean, I'm sure Webb would have had something to say about it. He wasn't going to sit back there. But um, I kind of agree with what JT had said uh, going into it. I mean, you predicted that one of the guys would leave with a 10-point lead, either Savage or Webb. And uh, you know me, I'm not a big fan of the just counting the points already. Oh, well, Webb will just win the last three, and uh, Savage just I just felt like we were – Savage had the points lead. Webb kind of took his mulligan already. He had his one bad race, which was on the bike had problems. And you can't just assume that Savage is going to have no issues at all in the last three races. Like, you look at these, historically, these lights championships, usually everyone has one bad race. Now, this wasn't Savage's fault, and it wasn't Webb's fault that the bike broke. But it's like, this always seems to happen. So, mm-hmm. uh, once. So I'm like, oh, they're just back to where they were. Now they each had their dumb, not my fault right. deal. And I just kind of... Like JT was saying, I just kind of felt like something was going to come for one of them. One of them was going to have a bad one, and it wasn't going to go down to the fire like we thought. So, I mean, if you're Webb, dude, he hit the gate in his heat. Like, it was trending yes. so badly. Yeah. Oh, what a what a break yeah. this is. I'm what? not saying that he wouldn't have gotten him on his own, or he wouldn't have won the title anyway. But holy crap, did he catch a break. It's going to be way easier now. Yeah, him hitting the gate in the heat was just kind of more evidence of things just – either in and out of his control, going south, going sideways, you know. Did anyone talk to him after the race or see him? I didn't see him after the race. Well, I, didn't, I, I went by. I, I, yeah, I, I went by. I didn't yeah. see him either. I wanted to talk to him because I've heard through the grapevine he's really not happy with me and things I've been writing about, you know, kind of him losing his cool and, and you know, flipping people off in practice and to not – and I think that's, you know, kind of over the line. And So I wanted to be there and when he won, you know, and be go interview him and see what he thinks, you know, but didn't didn't see him. Should have just uh, sent out a tweet. Yeah, at Cooper Webb seventeen. I always yeah. believe the new way to go. I've always no, been there. Know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's part of the problem. I think, and that's part of the problem is I don't do those things. I probably need to right. to get in with these guys and their man friends and trainers and everybody else. 
So Osborne, it was kind of after that race. After I mean, well, Webb put a good move on Christian and got by him, but it was kind of a, a uneventful um, lights race, really. These guys were all kind of settled into the spots. Uh, I was interested to see if Nick Colt Nichols could get Osborne like he did last week, and he didn't. Zach rode great to hold him off and get third, but I feel like I don't know if Osborne's dealing with an injury or whatever, but he's not as fast as he was earlier in the year, huh, JT? Like, either those guys got better or Zach got worse. But something's happened where he's not going to touch those guys anymore, and I felt like early in the year he could straight up win. I don't know. Do you think so? Because he was he fast, was fast last week. I know, but, but then San what? Diego, right? right? Yeah, but then what? Like, what's... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I still think he's fast enough. I, I just think he's having a hard time finding the balance between going that fast and then finishing main events because it seems like it's been one or the other. Mm-hmm. It's go really, really fast and try to win, and maybe you crash out. You know, it's like 50-50 of even finishing, let alone winning. Or do you back it down a little bit and try to get third? And I think that, to me, that's where the the struggle is for him right now because I think he can he can put in 15 laps and finish every time and get eh, somewhere between three and four. Right. Or he can turn it up and go for the win, but you're probably going to crash out. Maybe you don't, but yeah. you're probably going to crash. Well, so I mean, what, you what know. do you do? I don't yeah. know. I don't know what's better. I mean, I know it's safer. Yeah. It's probably better for your bank account, but. Well, just, you know, this weekend again, like he had a chance. He's right there. Got the start that he needed. Last week he he got the start that he needed and those guys kind of pulled away and even Colt Nichols caught and passed him, you know? So I just want to see him get the start and like ride by those guys. Take off. But it hasn't happened yet. I don't think he can, though. I don't think he can do that. Well, he's fast as in practice, so, you know, if you go by that. Yeah, but, I mean, you're talking like a tenth or two. And then those guys, I mean, hey, six time qualifying is such a – there's a phrase I want to use, but we can't. Um, I mean, it really means nothing, to be honest with you. It's such a, it's such an unrealistic way of seeing who can go fast because you can't race at that hyper pace and sprint that those guys are doing. You just can't race that way. Those guys are right. – I mean, you can literally see them when they finish their fast lap. They're like – taking their hand off the bar because they're breathing so hard, you know? Yeah, I don't like that. I feel like, I I think I wrote this or I said it, like, it's a big, massive uh, uh, wiener measuring contest. Right, which is the phrase I wanted to use. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I I, I won't be as classy as you. And, (laughs) and like, it doesn't, yeah, like, like let's see a guy go out and start laying down four to five laps. Like, Porcel, a few weeks ago, he was literally doing four fast laps in three practices. I looked at his times. Like, Right. That was it. And so how does that get you ready to race? It really doesn't. It just puts you put everything into one race and to try to get this thing. And we even saw this weekend with the finish line corner, everyone is coming to the inside and not even able to jump the finish line. And that was the quicker to get their fast time. Well, that's not a, you would never use that line in the race. Never. Unless it was the last turn. And Dungey, to his credit, Weege, you talk to those guys. Tell the story. Yeah. So just to explain to people, if you didn't see practice, um, you could roll the inside of the last turn and roll the finish line jump, but it doesn't matter if you don't jump the finish because the transponder feet is before you take off. So they were all, it was like a traffic jam. Everyone was using that inside line to get to the transponder. You would not use that line in the race, like you said, because you can't jump the finish. You're going to lose way more time than you gain going inside. But when you're only counting one lap, it doesn't matter if the second lap sucks because you only need one to be good. So Dunge didn't use it the whole time. I asked Frankie, uh, Marvin's mechanic, because Marvin had the fastest time using it. He's like, yeah, Dunge wasn't happy that everybody was doing it. But I didn't realize this. Marvin told me after the race, 
that in the final practice, Marvin decided he didn't want to use it either, and he didn't. And they still ended up 1-2. One, 1-2, two, one, two, yeah. Dungeon him without using it. Um, but the Frankie thought it was a half second faster, 0. 0.4 uh, to 0. 0.5. Well, I don't know about that much, but... And anyways, yeah. Ryan Dungey never used that line and was still fastest qualifier and American hero. Ryan Dungey, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, American hero. Just as an honor. And uh, thanks to Moto, and Moto Dynasty. Also, thank you, Ryan Dungey, for getting me oh. five points or whatever it was. Well, we were sweating it. Then he blew the heat. He didn't win the heat. Yeah, I lost so. 10. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyways, I, yeah, I don't know. I just, what were we talking about? What I think is becoming an issue is uh, their, their hands are being forced to do this type of thing in practice and qualifying because they're all obviously putting the emphasis on starts. And I think most of the guys, obviously a few, there's guys like Reed who have historically never cared about qualifying. They just take what they get. But I think most of them are trying to, you know, as they say, pick up every rock they can. And they're like, I'd rather have the good gate pick in the heat and maybe get a good start and maybe have a good gate pick in the main than just say, screw it and, you know, be 10th fastest and have a bad gate in the heat. It doesn't always matter what gate you have, but, you know, these guys want every advantage they can get. So you're forced to try and practice mm-hmm. and to get those times, yeah, you need to do a unrepeatable one blazing lap. So it's just a game you have to play. It's often funny, um, JT, and we, you, we, you and I were talking about it too. Like, you'll see dudes who qualify first or second. They'll line up next to a gate in a heat race with a guy who got eighth, ninth in times. And so you're always like, huh, that's kind of weird. But I guess there could be something in front of the gate where everybody stays away and the eighth place or ninth place qualifying guy is just like, screw it, I got to go there. But. Oftentimes, you look and you're like, well, that didn't really even matter. You know, Chad Reed's still got a great, great gate pick. Well, Mathis, you were down there. You were a mechanic. Uh, to a man, I, it's always the condition in front of the well, gate, as, as RJ said, the condition over position. I, I don't the, like great Ricky Carmichael said that as well. Oh, oh really? Oh, RJ would like a word. Yeah, that was it. That was uh, Mathis's favorite rider, Ricky Carmichael's RJ, motto all the time. RJ would like to say, if, if it's true that RJ said that, then along with being uh, the inspiration behind going to the moon, what was it, Weech? Was it? What was RJ the inspiration he, for? Yeah, when I announced, I announced that Red Bull truck race at the ski resort last month, and he said, I was the first one to do this in a test run. I, I feel kind of like Matt Damon did in that Martian movie, like being the first man to step yeah, that was, was it. the yeah. first one to drive it. Yeah. Four-wheel drive truck on snow. Okay, so anyways, um, I, re- I mean, my mechanic days were a long time ago, and you certainly looked at the what was in front of the gate as far as you know where you wanted to go, but you also looked at what was behind the gate, and honestly, people don't understand how beat down the spot in front of the gate gets. And I remember just being like, "Well, they're all shitty, so pick the sh- less shitty oh. one." You know. Um, <laughs> There wasn't really JT, right? I mean, very rarely did you see a spot that was like, oh, yeah, I'm going there. Uh, it depends. You know, there are obviously better gates than others. You know, that's um, – I, I I still go back to what those guys said about condition over position. Uh, five feet, you know, 100 yards or whatever it is, 50 yards, 60 yards away from the first turn doesn't matter laterally. But the traction and a, a huge hole or a lack of a hole or all that – uh, are much more important. So uh, the way that been, the gates have been lately, it's it's not so much that they've been so beat down. It's traction behind the gate. Uh, San Diego, especially, it was incredibly hard packed in some of the gates, and then really, really tacky in other gates. So you know, I don't know. It's just the luck of the draw with water and sunlight, with the shadows and all that. 
but uh, it can be a pretty wide difference from gate to gate. So I have a story, a funny story about how this all works. Like, so Anderson has been like desperate to try to figure out a way to do better at his heats because he sucks at qualifying too. He's like it's like ninth every week, and he's clearly more than the ninth fastest guy. So he really tried hard, as we talked about in that heat last last week, ramming into Millsaps and Brayton like desperate to get the good gate. So he gets second in the heat, finally has like the fourth gate pick. He's all pumped, and then Porcel, who of course didn't do well in the heat, ends up with like the 14th pick. And they line up right next to each other. It's exactly what Mathis is saying. Mm-hmm. But the reason that Porcel Gate was available is because there was a big hole coming out of it that no one wanted. So then Anderson actually gets a decent jump, and then um, Porcel hits the hole, gets bounced, runs into Anderson, and then they ended up going into the first turn last and next to last. <laughs> All this planning. Yeah, yeah that happens. They said, I don't know if this is true, but somebody over there said they heard that pro circuit. Mitch doesn't even let his guys pick gates next to each other for that reason. Because if you're going to screw up, don't screw up you and your teammates. Screw up somebody else. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Um, Michael Lee's been better lately on the Blue Buffalo Yamaha. Yeah. Putting a yeah. putting good rides in for dogs everywhere, Weege. That's unfortunate, and I'll give him a pass on that. He's just <laughs> racing for himself. Um, talked a little bit more to some guys in the pits that think the Rocks and the Honda thing is going to happen. Some influential guys. So it's interesting. See what I, see what goes on there, but I mean you don't you you know guys these guys that we're talking to, Weege and you you were with me for one of them like, who knows where they're hearing it from, but they they got their finger on the pulse of what's going on, so it's interesting. Yeah, I think there's got to be something to it. Um, pretty normal. Uh, well, amazing. People would people are probably blown away to know how early this stuff happens. I mean, it's crazy. Deals were decided in January. It's, it, well, it's, February. Just, it's yeah. just like signing these kids. Like, it used to be, let's sign a 15 year old. Uh, okay, let's sign a 14 year old. Hey, we got to lock up that 11 year old from Bakersfield ASAP. Like, that's, you know, when, when does it stop? You know? That's what's happening right now. No, I know. And, like, it's brutal. It's, in my opinion, it's brutal. It's just getting earlier and earlier and earlier in this, in this arms race war, you know, between clothing companies and teams and everybody else. So. Well, I'll give a couple examples of why this is weird. So, like, we are pretty much assured. Are we assured that Cooper Webb's going to the factory Yamaha team? Um, are we? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Right. Well, I think the way this all worked is, of course, you know, the team may or may not have even happened this year, and they do put it together for Reed, you know, like the week before Anaheim 1, it comes official. And then Reed goes out there and kills it for the first three weeks of the season. So then it's like, well, that's it. This team is working. The bike is awesome. <laughs> Reed is awesome. Everything's great. Um, so then Webb's going there, like all the momentum is good. You know, it was three weeks, you know, and it was funny to just think of how horrible things are going for the Gibbs team and how great they were going for that team. Like, they clearly have it figured out and Gibbs doesn't. But now they're probably just all scrambling. It's just amazing when you pick from that very, very short uh, sample size. And then the same thing is, you know, Tomac signed with Cowie so early, there's no way he rode this new 2016 machine by then. You know, mm-hmm. when did he sign? April? last year or something like that, uh, he, he didn't ride it. So, you know, we assume it'll eventually work out, but right now it isn't. But he signed without even really having a chance to even ride the bike. Like, this is some of the dangers you get um, We we you make decisions this early. Talking about the Yamaha team and Chad's performance, you're big into this transfer of power. Was there any way oh. that the, the flipping right Yamaha side-by-side hit Chad in the transfer of power from the flipping demo of the Yamaha thing 
hit Chad or, or, or affected Chad in any way. Any sort of yeah, we noted that hasn't come back. That has not come back side by side since no. since it got flipped and pushed off the starting line. Yeah, hey, Glendale. <laughs> hey everybody, hey, check this out. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying, like after three weeks, it was like this team, this Yamaha right. team, is awesome. Yep. They are back. They've got this figured out. Maybe the factory team does have the answer. Uh, but same thing last year. You know, Roxon won two of the first three, and it was like this R stage thing is working. This is going to be awesome. You know, and decisions get made very, very early. And in the end, you know, mm-hmm. it's just weird that in no other sport, I don't think, I mean, maybe in other motorsports, but this early, you know, in other sports, you can't even be a free agent until the year is over. Yeah. No, I, it used to be by Vegas was a big deal. Usually by Redbud, everything was settled. Then yeah. it was Vegas. Now yeah. it's starting, you know, like Barsha walking the track in Atlanta. So halfway through, we already knew it was gone. He was gone to, from Honda. You know, it's just that so much can change between your right. deal and uh, yeah. the, the current bike you're on in February. Yeah, the bike is going to be so great. So much can change in one year. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Tomac, Tomac signs right, and then what happens three months after he signs? He goes out and rides as well as you've ever seen a human being ride on that Honda. After he'd already said, "This isn't going to work. I got to, you know, switch to Cali." Yeah, yeah. I got to get out of here. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because by by all accounts, uh, Honda made competitive offers to keep him, and he was just like, "No, yeah. no, I gotta go." You know. Yeah, this bike is not going to work. And then he, again, just rides as well as anyone has ever ridden a motorcycle. Yeah. After that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. All right. Anything else on the uh, Dallas wrap up? Jason Thomas, Jason Wygant. Anything else? We Any each? idea what's going on with Alex Martin? Um, he's aware that he's a fantasy killer. He said to everybody this year, he was sixth. In Dallas, and his best finish, I think, since the opener. And he doesn't really know. He's trying to do less to do more. I don't know how that's going. Okay. I mean, I'm sure Phil is motive, motive, a lot of motivation. So, did you purposely cut that pulp interview at the end the way you did just to get Phil's little no you interview, Alex? Yep. Oh, it was just gold. Why? I don't remember. Alex, like, yeah. Oh, oh! You have to listen. Yeah, your podcast. Yeah, and they were talking to Alex, and you're like, "Man, you really screwed me by doing this badly in fantasy." And then you did bad. I picked you this week, so I couldn't pick you. I picked you last week, so yeah. I couldn't pick you this week. So you screwed me. Mm-hmm. And Alex said, "Well, maybe the reason I've been so bad this year is to just screw you in uh, fantasy." And then you just hear Phil come up behind and say, uh, "You're screwing yourself. That's the only person you're screwing." <laughs> and then that's where the file cuts off. I do remember Phil yelling, so I don't remember what it was, but yeah, yeah, could could be. You know, you know, when you go to find Phil, you know Alex will be nearby, so I got you know you got to got to talk to them both, right? <laughs> don't worry, everybody, we've got the F- Alex Martin Phil interviews on lock weekly. So Alex told me that he went, he had to do the interview with Parks Limited with Bytus over at their trailer, and uh, Bytus like, how's the track? And he's like, yeah, it's really tight, really technical. This is the kind of track that Phil will probably suck on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. In front of the crowd. Right. <laughs> Moose Racing Zone. <laughs> Filthy Phil Nicoletti. <laughs> so. All right. Um, sounds good, guys. Appreciate the uh, the chat. And uh, we will reconvene in one week to talk about uh, Atlanta Supercross. So, looking forward to it. And, uh, yeah. Thanks, guys. DMXSRadio.com. DMXS party on Friday night, original. everybody. Yeah, be there. Yeah, original still best. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah. See ya. 
Thanks for listening to the Steve Mathis Show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck because that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, you know. And I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My my ego got in the way, you know. The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years.